Well, good morning and welcome to my living room today. My name is Angela and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. I have so missed seeing you guys every Sunday morning and connecting with you, but I'm sure you're finding your new norm and I hope you enjoyed worshiping with us today. You know, I think that everyone these days is finding all this change very challenging. Um, I know that I have. We're having these new forced rhythms of life, these new routines, these new ways of doing things. And I'm thinking after a number of weeks, perhaps these new ways don't feel so new anymore. Um, I'm thinking about, for example, I have three young children that I'm homeschooling. And yesterday my husband said to me, has it only been two weeks that we've been homeschooling them? So sometimes the new norm can feel a little bit old very quickly. But you know, change can be so hard. And especially if it comes quickly and it comes out of our control and we don't know when it's gonna end and it's so unpredictable. For me, it even challenged me. Um, I found that these kind of situations, these unpredictable situations that are happening around the world can often expose this true core, this true character of self that comes out. For example, I want you to think back to that first time that you walked into the supermarket and you saw that the shelves were empty. Maybe it was just the toilet paper aisle for that first couple times, but then over the next coming weeks, perhaps maybe you saw the shelves depleting and diminishing over the next coming days. What did that feel like inside for you? How did you respond to that? For me, I was almost in shock. Um, I felt all these worries and these fears and these anxious thoughts bubbling up and all the scriptures that I kind of knew and could almost recite about God's faithfulness and his love and his care for us and his provision felt like in that moment just went right out the window. And I was in this moment of panic. And here I was faced with my true self, my true core. And you know what? God spoke to me there. When all is stripped away, he said, where is your faith? When all is stripped away, where is your faith? And it's funny because really not all was stripped away. Really only thing in that moment that was stripped away was the certainty of my next grocery shop. But I realized that my foundations had started to shake in that moment. It showed me that perhaps my anchor wasn't as deep as I thought. So I was sitting on my chair in this living room right here and I was praying about it because I was feeling very nervous and very anxious about the things that were happening in the world. And I was trying to still my heart. And as I sat in this chair, I remember praying out to God and repenting to him and saying, God, I don't want to be like this. I want to put my trust in you. I want to have my foundations in you. I want to um, have an anchor that is so deep in you that when things happen in the world around me, I can trust you. And as I was sitting there and praying, I looked over at this bookshelf that's even right here. And I saw this book that popped out at me and it was called 30 Days of Praise Challenge by Becky Harding. And I felt like God spoke to me in that moment. I felt like God said to me, 
I want you to try 30 days of praise, of focusing on praise rather than focusing on the things that are happening in this world around you. So I did, I practiced a 30 day praise challenge and it was a fantastic thing for me. It took me from a place of putting my confidence in the things that I was seeing in the world to putting my confidence back in the Lord. It reminded me of his faithfulness, of his goodness, and all the ways that he has taken care of me in the past and how he still continues to take care of me right now. Well, the current series that we are in right now is called The Foundations, and that's what this is all about. The things that we place our confidence in, the things that we value, the things that we trust, the core of what we stand upon, the bedrock of our belief. And if we strip away all of these layers of religion, all the stuff that we do, what are we left with? Even the gathering together in a church in a church building, if we take that away, which has happened to us in the, in the last weeks, what are we left with in our faith? What are we left to stand upon? Well, the first week, Tim talked about prayer, and last week, he talked about salvation. And this week, I'm going to bring a message on baptism. First, let's just talk about the simple act of what baptism is to us here at York Street, because this can be a tricky one to answer, as there are often different interpretations and different um, ways of thinking of what baptism is about. So for us here at York Street, we base our baptism on scripture. Once someone has professed faith in Jesus Christ, we then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it says in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. We then dunk them, under the water. We immerse them completely underwater, which symbolizes dying to the old self. And then we raise them up out of the water, which symbolizes rising to new life. Just as Jesus died for our sins and rose again. However, I really believe that this is more than just a ceremonious act that we do in the physical. I believe that there is a real spiritual element to this as well. And to grasp this on a deeper level, we actually need to begin in the Old Testament. What? There's no baptisms in the Old Testament, you might say. But just like everything in the Bible, it all ties together. And one of the things that I've noticed as I read through my Bible is how often God uses water as a significant transitional moment in people's lives. He uses water as a significant transitional moment in people's lives. So for example, you look at Noah and the ark. God wanted to redeem or make new the whole world because it had become so wicked. So he sends this flood to remove all of the evil and he makes it new again a baptism of sorts and actually the new testament refers back to this as a baptism in first peter chapter 3 verse 20 it reads god waited patiently in the days of noah while the ark was being built in it only a few people eight in all were saved through water and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. God uses water as a form of baptism for the world in Noah's time. We then consider 
Moses in Exodus chapter 14, who is the leader of the Israelites, the leader of God's people. God delivers Moses and his people. He delivers them from slavery by taking them through what? Through water. This is when the Red Sea parts. This is the story of the Red Sea parting. When God takes his people from being in slavery with the Egyptians to being free. This was a significant transitional moment from being in slavery to being in freedom. And again, God uses water. And then again, we look at Joshua. If you're wanting to keep, a uh, keep up and read along, you can look at Joshua chapter three. He was another leader of the Israelites. He crosses the Jordan into the promised land from exile into promise. Here is another significant transitional moment through water. We see Jonah. Who here remembers the story of Jonah? I think there's many kids that may be even watching that remember the story of Jonah. Well, God had asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, but instead, what does he do? He runs away and he takes a ship to Tarshish. But on the way, the Lord sends a storm that eventually makes the shipmates discover and learn that Jonah had disobeyed God. And so they decide in order to calm the storm, they throw Jonah overboard into the sea. Now Jonah's in the water. Jonah is what? He's then picked up by a big fish in the water and he is in the fish for three days and three nights. Another pattern that reflects the story of Jesus. And he is delivered by the fish to Nineveh, a significant transitional moment through water, where God uses water again to take Jonah from a place of living in his own way to a place of following God's way back to Nineveh. So that's a few examples of God using water as a means of baptism, of going from the old to the new, a redemption, a redemption through the water. And I think this is why water is so significant when it comes to baptism. So then we come to the New Testament. The first account of baptisms that we see in the New Testament are the ones performed by John the Baptist. That's right, who is written about in all four Gospels. So we know that his story is a very important one for us to know. John the Baptist had begun preaching this baptism of repentance a turning from their old ways, a cleansing of self, a purification from their sins. And we can read about it in here in Mark chapter one, verse four. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This is so interesting to me because I have always associated and connected baptism back to Jesus's death and resurrection. But then here is John. Jesus hasn't even died yet. And he is associating baptism forward in the hope of what was yet to come. I think what faith he had. We see this when he says in Mark chapter one, verse seven, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
John is referring to two types of baptisms here. The baptisms he does in water for repentance of sin and the baptism of someone even greater, of Jesus, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You can have one without the other. And we see this distinction more clearly later on when Paul comes across some disciples in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Let's have a look. Acts 19 verse 1, the last part of the verse 1, it says, There he, which is Paul, found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. So once they heard and knew, they too were baptized by the Holy Spirit when Paul laid his hands on them. Something you might want to consider if you already have been baptized through water is asking yourself if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like how Paul imparted this to the disciples when he laid his hands on them. And this passage indicates that they are not one and the same. Now, I'm also aware that there are a few discrepancies, differences of opinion when it comes to baptism. So I thank you, Tim, for the privilege of taking this one on. But one of the discrepancies we hear is that sometimes the Bible says we need to be baptized to be saved. And other times it's only by faith that we're saved. So which one is correct? And this is sometimes where confusion can come in. So we read in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So it might look like there's a bit of a discrepancy between the two there. But one thing that has been helpful for me in situations like this is to go back to the original text. And I've discovered that our English words in our Bibles don't always encompass all the true meaning of the original text. And this is why it's so important that we spend time looking deeper, going into the background origin of the text, especially if we think we see discrepancies. So for example, we may read the word baptism and assume it always means the act of immersion underwater. But if you look at Mark 16, 16, they use a different form of the word in the original text, which many theologians believe is a variant meaning union with Christ. So if that's the case, Mark 16, 16, which read, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, actually becomes whoever believes and is united with Christ will be saved. So the two scriptures um, don't contradict each other. Baptism in water is not required to be saved. I've had some great conversations with my husband Lee as I've prepped for today. And I think the main takeaway we discussed is that baptism is an act of obedience. 
In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And as I considered my own baptism and the baptisms I've attended, I realized that there wasn't just a declaration of my heart being changed through the baptism. It wasn't just getting, baptism wasn't just about um, declaring the heart change that happened in me. Because if our baptisms were based on heart change, we'd need baptizing all the time, every time we fell away from the Lord. But baptism is a one-time event that signifies the beginning of a journey with Christ. I think back to the Old Testament and how God used water as a significant transitional moment in his people for them to remember where they had come from to where they had brought them to, a redemption through the water. It didn't mean that people were going to be perfect after they were baptized and that they made no mistakes from that day on. But it is about the pledge that you make about that clear conscience before God. And it was significant in starting that transformation from living in the old way to living in the new way of life. I'd encourage you that if you are currently struggling with some of those old ways trying to creep up again, remember it doesn't mean that your baptism was null or void. It means that God has a chance to show his power again in your life. It means going back and repenting of those things, praying and asking God to forgive you for the things that you have done and knowing that he will forgive you and to, to take a new step forward and not living that way anymore, to continue that transformation in your life. Secondly, if you haven't been baptized and you profess your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to be obedient and consider it as your next step in following Christ, the next step in your spiritual transformation. Recently, I had the awesome privilege to journey alongside a young woman named Eliza. She grew up knowing about Jesus in her house, but she took a few detours along the way. And this year, God called her back and she opened up her heart to him and she recommitted her life to Jesus. Soon after, we discussed baptism and when she could do it, but then all the stuff with isolation happened. So we figured we'd shelve it until isolation was over. But a couple of weeks ago, I felt God asked me, why would you make her wait? Why would you make her wait? And I realized again, that we didn't need to be in a church. We didn't need to be in a service. We didn't need to have all of our friends and family around um, to, to be baptized because our foundations are in Jesus, not in a place or in a group or in a service. So I asked her what she thought. And I'm so excited to share with you today that she has been baptized this week by her father. And we wanted you to witness it too, to be a part of this baptism with her as well. Let's take a look. Hey, my name is Eliza Strange and I am 22 years old. 
I was born and raised as a Christian at York Street Church of Christ. When I was in grade six, I went on my very first youth camp. It was there that I decided to make my own personal decision to accept Jesus into my heart and follow him. And since then, I was on a pretty good journey with God. In the recent years, I drifted from God and I stopped going to church. This was something that didn't sit right with me, but I wanted to follow my own plans that I had for myself and not God's. This year in January, there was a Sunday where I decided that I needed to go to church. It was my first visit back in a long time. On my way there, I was quite emotional and I was apologizing over and over to God for ignoring him for so long and repeating the words, God, I feel so guilty for not coming to church all of these years. As I showed up to church and the service had started, Tim got up to preach. Before he began his sermon, he started by saying, I don't know if this is for you, but if you haven't been coming to church in a long time, God wants you to know that you don't have to feel guilty. You are here now and that's all that matters. And then he continued on with his sermon. Those words hit me right in the heart. God actually spoke right to me. I felt so heard and loved like I never have before. It's like God just picked me up and held me in his arms. I decided to seek prayer from a leader, Ange, after the service, and she encouraged me to pray with her. In that moment, I became a new creation through and for God. We talked about baptism and what that might mean for me, as it's something I've always wanted to do. Just prior to my profound experience with God, I was asked to go and be on the worship team at Beyond Youth Camp, coming up in February. I initially said no, as I didn't feel as though I was in a position to lead, given the distance I'd created between myself and God. I very quickly regretted that decision after God spoke to me at church. I strongly felt him leading me to that camp, as though I'd be missing out if I didn't go. I was very blessed that the team still had room for me. On camp, I immediately felt like I was home again. It felt right. I experienced God's presence so deeply and was so hungry for more. Moving forward, since being in isolation, I've been spending time with God, wondering what the next step is and how I can express my faith in these circumstances. Very soon after having these conversations with God, Ange rang me and asked how I was feeling about baptism and if I was still open to the idea. I felt no hesitation in saying yes. God was literally answering my prayers. Baptism is an act in which a Christian is immersed in water to symbolize the end of an old way of living and a new start. When you get baptized, it's a testimony to God and to people that you, by faith, will live a new life as an overcomer. So here I am today to let you all know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'm so excited to see what he has in store for me after this. I would love to thank my parents for being so encouraging throughout my walk with God and to my three amazing brothers who have been my absolute best friends in life. I'd also love to thank Ange and Claudia for being so strong and supportive women who have helped me a lot through finding my way back. And I'd just like to finish off with two Bible verses that have just sort of helped me a lot in encouraging me um, through finding my way back. Um, and God actually revealed these to me um, through a Bible app. Um, and I just thought, wow, he, he's speaking right to me. So um, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. 
and Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Thanks.